So my question for today is how long will God tarry? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 37. If you find yourself asking the question, when will this end? You might be asking the wrong question. My challenge to you is to prepare yourself mentally and physically and spiritually. Using the Bible for the spiritually and mentally part. The physical part you got to kind of do on your own. We all struggle with it. All the rumors of hearing about the Illuminati or the One World Order taking over shouldn't alarm you if you're a Christian. I'm not the biggest and brightest, but the one thing I do know, man is just not that good to orchestrate something of this caliber. Amen? I mean, if you look around at your neighborhood, some of your family, they seem to be part of the craziness as well trying to convince you otherwise not wanting to listen to reason no matter how hard you try most people just buy into whatever's happening a worldwide flu and now everyone's a racist I didn't even know I was a racist now I'm a racist this makes no it makes no sense but I will tell you this make no mistake scripture teaches us that God is 100% control. And the sooner we come to terms with this, the better. If you look, write these, these scriptures down and go back and look at them. But if you read in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 37. Yes, Lamentations is in your Bible. <laughs> it reads, Who is he who speaks and comes to pass unless the Lord commanded it? God is the one in control. Not man. If you look at the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, it reads, Is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? This was not the time, but Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Let me ask you a question. John the Baptist, ten of the disciples, Jesus, and I don't know, millions of others for a book And a man, Jesus, was killed for sharing the message of the gospel. Think about that for a moment. I mean, if it's not real, then why is Christianity the most dangerous religion to be part of? Who wants to be part of that? For 19 consecutive years, North Korea makes the the top chart of the most dangerous places to be if you're a Christian. Now they have estimated, we don't know for sure, estimated in hiding 200,000 Christians. You want to question their faith? No way that I want to. I'm sure that North Korea is proud of that accomplishment. But if you're caught in the faith, up to four generations of your family, of course including you, will face the same punishment, most likely death. The North Koreans and many of the other most dangerous places to be if you're a Christian feel that if you you have to not only destroy that individual, but you have to destroy every last bit of that blood that runs through your veins. What is it that gets a man to act out this type of evil? To kill millions of Christians on our planet 
to drive them to madness. And it's all over the world. And they do it in some of them in such grotesque ways and manners. They do it to intimidate others not to follow the same footsteps. But it never works. Why is that? Why would anyone want to join that? Or can you make them join? Or maybe they're actually called and their eyes are open to something that they become obedient unto death, willing to share and die for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a gift that has been given to the elect, the chosen from the foundations of the earth, spoken in the book of Genesis. Why did God use Noah, Moses, and Jonah, and many more through the Bible, to warn of judgment? Is that the key? Do we warn today? Do we talk about judgment today? If Jonah, think about this for a moment. If Jonah didn't warn Nineveh and they didn't repent, including the king, putting themselves in sackcloth and ashes, what would have happened to them? God said he was going to destroy them if they didn't repent. Why do so many people Believers and non-believers know Matthew 24. I Anywhere I go, even before I was a true believer, I knew Matthew 24. But the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. But then nobody reads the next Bible. Nobody reads the Bible anymore. They don't read the next verses. Because if you jump down to verse 42, it reads this. Be sure of this. That if the head of the house had known at the time of the, the night the thief was coming, he would have been on alert and would have not allowed his house to be broken into. Huh. That verse seems odd, doesn't it? I've never really seen that one. Nobody's ever told me that one. We know Matthew 24 all day long. No man knows the day or the hour. But we don't continue to read the Bible. Why doesn't anybody talk about that verse? I'm not suggesting time, date setting, or any of that stuff. But the next verse in 44, we read, For this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you don't think he will. Could this mean that we could have an understanding of the season? In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 5, we read, Whoso keeps... The commandment shall fill no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. Yes, yes, I believe we can know when the time is near by staying in God's word as the Holy Spirit leads us through scripture. We can never be so bold to sit there and try to tell dates and times, but if we are in our word and we see through scripture where, the, where man's hearts are, where the churches are, where the world is, we can get an understanding that the season that we're in is one that's close to the time and the day and the hour. One example is found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. And we read, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will the outcome be? For those who do not obey the gospel of God be. There it is. So the Bible is teaching us that when we see something 
we must warn. If we see that somebody else is in trouble, but we're not, shouldn't we tell those people? Shouldn't we share with them the the the, the truth of what's, you know, the the pendant judgment, um, the pending judgment that actually could come upon them? You have to use the Bible, though. A lot of times we we want to take the Bible and smack it over people's head because of the whatever version they're using. And there's people with lots of versions, but they don't read any of them. The Bible teaches us that when we see something, we should warn using the Bible. Knowing that it's it's extre- it's going to make people extremely upset. We get that part. But read in verse 19. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to the faithful creator in doing what is right. Joel chapter 2 verse 1 we read blow a uh, blow a trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm on my holy mountain let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming surely it is near a day of darkness and gloom a day of clouds and thick darkness as the dawn is spread over the mountains so there is great and mighty people there has never been anything like it nor will there ever be anything like it again in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, Jesus, Jesus will come like a thief in the night. But it's not being taught anymore in the majority of the churches or in the homes. Why is that? We saw the church grow for many years. And within the last few decades, something changed. What is it? We stopped warning. I read in a recent Gallup poll, church membership is down from 70% over the last couple decades to around 50%. That's in less than 20 years. It's been around for 1900 years. And all of a sudden, the last 20 years, we're down 30%. Some suggest that Revelations 20 is in full effect and that Satan was bound and then released to deceive all four four parts of the earth. And some just say that man, this is man's plan. And it's about population control. And George Soros wants to enslave us all. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't worry about George Soros and his billions of dollars. The guy's an old man. We should pray for him. I don't even know him. See, we wouldn't know because there's no warnings. We we just have the, the news articles that we listen to or our friends that kind of suggest things. But it's been over 1,900 years since the beginning of the church age. During a time that if you were caught sharing the gospel, during the persecution, you were tossed in jail or you were killed. But it didn't stop them. We now complain about music in church. That's that's how we are today in comparison to how Peter was crucified upside down by choice. We are concerned about status. The church has stopped warning of 1 Thessalonians 5.2. And for that, they will be held accountable as taught in Matthew 7, verse 22 and 23. You remember that verse? Matthew 7, verse 22 and 23? You should. <laughs> Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And the Lord replied, I never knew you. Go take your part in the lake of fire. There is no other verse in all of scripture that true believers are more afraid of than that script than that verse. 
It should make you tremble or give you chills. Does it? Read that verse. Meditate on that verse. Philippians 2.12 reads, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And how should we do that? Verse 14 reads, Without grumbling or disputing. Can we complain about the smallest things? People from other Christians from other countries come to our country and they can't recognize the Christianity. It's as Paul said in the, you know, when he was at the church of um, Corinth or Galatia and he, sensed you, he, he shared with them that you have the gospel but it's a different gospel. We have to be careful of which gospel we are sharing. There's all kinds of ideas in the world of how the church should be today. There's about 4,500 religions today. Now think about this. If Jesus is the, the only way, if he's the only way to get to heaven, and John, that's spoken in John 14, 6, then that would mean that about 4,499 other church religions, they're going to hell, including a lot of different so-called Christian churches. They actually have the gospel, but it's a perverted one. It's been changed, changed to fit man's needs, to fit their comfort, to make them not feel judged. The world needs God's God's uh, commandments. The world needs God's judgments. The, the world needs to feel persecuted at times. If we find through history that most Christians that come to the faith, they do it when they come through persecution. When we reject God's commandments and only take some of them, God will hold us accountable for that. Which is why we have Matthew 7, verse 22 and 23. Baptists, Catholics, Muslims, Buddhists, and all other religions predominantly are made up of generations of family members that simply choose that religion based off following the family choice. Many others join because they want to be good people and the thought of living forever after you die, well, who wouldn't want that? As the church leaders go, so goes the church. We have gone from warning the people once a week to almost no warnings today just we barely do it we might teeter around it dance around it but we don't want to offend people we're in a culture that has retired the outdated word of repentance and takes grace and dresses it up into a works gospel so what are we left with we're left with a grace grace gospel and there lies the issue now teach that for 20 years to young to the young generation that grows up to take over businesses, which removes God. They take over churches, which you that they change the gospel into a different gospel. They take over government leadership roles, and you guessed it, they remove God. It's not Marxism that's destroying our country. It's the attempt of removing God, which comes from Satan. He is the prince of this earth until God returns. But you don't know that because you don't read your Bible. <clears throat> I don't mean you specifically. I'm speaking generally. Or maybe I'm not. Now the true believer knows this. 
and that this is the issue, but nobody seems to be talking about it. We're just too busy with our lives. It almost seems like during the coronavirus, God hit the pause button for us to self-reflect as we should do often. We have all these uh, resolutions on how to, you know, take back our government or our schools and all this other stuff. How about taking back our children? Because once they are taught to reject God, it is a statistic that 75% of them, after they graduate high school, they don't, they leave the faith. Once your eyes are truly open, you don't, you never leave. Hence the fact that, again, the beginning of the church age, many people became martyrs, going out and preaching the gospel and dying for the faith. And it's, it's Peter, Peter was crucified upside down. The other ones, they died, but they died willingly. And it was a privilege for them to do that in the name of Jesus Christ. They didn't go out there and blow themselves up. They went out professing the truth of the gospel and were killed simply for that. Words. Saying words. But those words penetrated. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Think about this for a moment. After 20 years, if we are sitting at a current rate of 52%, from down from 75% at the current rate of high school graduates that are leaving the church after they graduate high school think about what that number would jump to or drop down to after 10 years we're going to be at 40% 0% think about that take divorce for an example divorce is almost unheard of was almost unheard of in church 50 years ago and today, that number is almost as bad as it is in the world. Kids that graduate today don't even want a relationship. Satan, the enemy, has taught them to use the word partner. They no longer want to get married. We are failing our kids, and God will hold us accountable for that if we don't speak on that. God has been replaced with the status quo. Sports, pleasure, idolatry. I can go on and on and on. The church has conformed to the world to try to compete with the world. Where, where did our faith go in God? Companies once prayed to God but no longer do. Churches have strayed away from teaching about the double-edged sword. Read in Hebrews chapter 4:12. So Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the world of the, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is why the Bible is so offensive to the world and many attempts have been made to burn all the Bibles up. William Tyndale, just a man that was taking and translating the Bible into English, in a public setting, was strangled and then burned for simply translating the Bible. Think about that. This is why Jesus is so offensive to the world and was crucified for sharing the Bible. Read John 1.14. Man. This is why all of the, the, the disciples are offensive to the, to the word besides John. Keep this in mind. 
all the disciples besides John was banned to John was banned to the island of Patmos, but the rest, all the rest of the disciples, they became martyrs. They were all killed. And here's one last one. You, yes, you, the true believer. This is why you are hated by the world today, because you offend them. So that dusty Bible that you have somewhere in your house might want to dust it off and read it a little bit. It's time to get spiritually in shape, mentally in shape. Try to work on that physical shape in between there a little bit. The Bible teaches us that uh, physical labor profits little. (laughs) It will bring comfort. The Bible will bring comfort to you if you are a believer. It is our spiritual weapon. In Ephesians 6, 17, we read that the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and we are to test everything against it. The reaction is one of two things that happens with people. The believer, you either realize you're a sinner and you're in need of a savior and you continue to search the scriptures and you grow in faith. The second one is you reject God's word and live in rebellion in danger of judgment on that final day. Our job is to share the gospel. Romans 10, 17 reads, So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We plant the seed and then pray that God allows it to grow. In John chapter 6, verse 44, we read, No one can come to, to, to the Father unless God draws them. And then I will raise them up in the last day. When was the last time you even shared the gospel with anyone outside of your church? When was the last time you even shared the gospel? Think about that. It's pretty scary, right? You don't have to be fancy or a pastor. But if you claim to be a Christian, instead of hiding under a lamp, hiding under a table, hiding your lamp under a table, the truth of the gospel, and keeping it to yourselves, we are called to share the good news. Do you remember who you were before God saved you? Do you remember the things you did before you were saved? We are no better than them which are in the world. And we should have a desire to share the truth to everyone that comes, come, we come across. We were in the fire at some point. God pulled us out. Now it's our responsibility to go back in and pull them out. I mean, even if it's not all the people you come across, maybe some people. Or just one person, but you get my point. From a young age, we are conditioned to accept whatever we hear. Heck, I can actually argue that most people today that are even older accept whatever they hear. Hot topics like speaking in tongues, the word blessing, dreams, and mysteries of the Bible have been taken so far out of context that what what you're actually being taught isn't even close to what the Bible teaches. And you're no longer allowed to ask questions because no one really reads the Bible anymore. And they just side with the the following the leader. That applies to companies or churches today. We are seeing a gospel of grace being replaced by a gospel of works. Jesus is the works. He's done the works so that we don't have to. Our job and responsibility is to be the hands and feet of Christ. To go out and share the good news. Do you actually know what the main purpose of the true believer is? It's to share that Christ was crucified on the cross, became the last sacrificial lamb, 
shedding his blood to cover us of all of our sins that we're going to be held we were going to be held accountable for to God. We are to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God by professing the double-edged sword, the grace of Jesus, fulfilling the works for us and bringing judgment for those outside of God's law. They will be destroyed. Shh. Can't say that anymore, right? You might offend someone. Have you looked at our world today? Has all the concepts that they've tried to teach us worked? No. You have to speak both edges of the sword. Grace and judgment. It cuts us deep. We are humans. We need to be cut deep. We need to know when we're doing wrong. I mean, have you looked around? Even if I, I mean, even if I sneeze today, I offend someone. No one ever said the coronavirus coronavirus wasn't dangerous. It was how dangerous is it? With ninety nine point eight percent survival rate, I'm good. And I promise, the mask, all the masks in the world, and the the plastic barricades we put up. <laughs> They're not going to save us in that awful day of judgment. And since I'm covering some of the current events, God's sending many of all races to hell because he knows our hearts. Figure I'd toss that one in for free. So know where you're at in your relationship with God. Don't see color. Don't see skin. All of us, all the races, not all, some, the elect, are going. And if we're focused on race or coronavirus or the things of this world, we are not focused on God. Read your Bible. God will open your eyes if you're a true believer. Pray for salvation. Not just for you, but for your family also. Currently, right now, we can see that God is separating the tares from the wheat. I'm going to actually discuss the tares from the wheat tomorrow. How do I know that I'm saved? And what about my family? We're going to talk about that tomorrow. I think that we're in a time today where somebody has to step up and address it. I'm not the best talker. I'm not the best student. But I love the Lord with all of my heart. And I pray that you do as well. May the Lord spiritually bless you and your family during these perilous times. Seek after him. Praying is our only weapon against the enemy and the principalities. Pray with a fear towards God, knowing that he's in control of our next breath. Be thankful. God bless you. I'll talk to you tomorrow.